bottom of the Smash Mountain, season two, episode 40, Parents in Esports. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Jesse. You can also call me Cypher. Hey, you get it. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode here. Today we have Shaymon. That's right. We have Shay Williams joining me for an interview here. And this was a delight because I am a young parent and my children are very young still, three and one. However, esports is going to be a even more of a thing than it is now. So just think about in 10 years when my children are 13 and 11 years old and where esports will be at that time and what the need will be for there to be resources, not only for the parents, which is obviously a big thing that Shay really does a great job helping out with as it pertains to the Coalition of Parents and Esports nonprofit organization. But all that to say, it's really cool that cope the organization that's the you know coalition of parents and esports cope you get it it's really cool to see that someone like shay is leading the the desire and willpower and resources and organizing to say we need to have parents be involved in the picture as the children start to get more into gaming and more serious gaming, especially as a way of competition. But I'm talking too long, so let's get to this interview, and we'll talk afterwards. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. Here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain, and today I'm so happy to be joined by Shaymon, a.k.a. Shay Williams, who is the Coalition of Parents and Esports co-founder, that is COPE, which you can find on Twitter, at COPEGG, all the fun links. And Shay, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I wanted to get started with your origin story in esports and... Because you are the co-founder of the COPE, uh, the COPE, the Coalition of Parents in Esports, I think that I suspect that your children or, or or maybe just your son has to do with this. But I'm sure you knew what video games were before then. So when did you become cognizant and aware of the gaming world? Well, I think I've always been aware of the gaming world, but the esports world was completely new to me. And yes, you know, because of what I co-founded, um, I found this world because of my kid. Um, my son specifically got into the competitive side of esports, and that's how I ended up here. But long before that, I mean, I was a gamer. You know, I grew up playing games. Um, I, of course, you know, was part of a different generation where Galaga was my favorite game. Um, but, you know, I also was part of the Doom generation and played a lot of video games. So to me, video games were just always a fun part of my life. Um, I'm also a computer science major, so I actually wrote my first game on my Apple Mac in my dorm room my freshman year. You know, it was just a little Pong type game, but I was pretty darn proud of it. You know, so it's always been kind of the sideline for me. You know, it was always something that I liked and it was something that I introduced to my kids at a really young age. You know, we played video games together. You know, they, we introduced them to games. They were a great way to entertain them in the car, you know, and that was just, you know, that's what it was. You know, my kids were super active in sports. Um, my son was a competitive soccer player. My, both of my kids were competitive figure skaters of all things. And, you know, it was, yeah, believe it or not, you know, we live in Texas. It's incredibly hot down here and an ice rink is a nice cool place to go during the summer. And that's kind of how it started. But, you know, they both got into that. But, you know, slowly my son, you know, started gravitating towards the video games. You know, he couldn't get wait, wait to get home from soccer practice or something else so that he could get online and practice. And what I started realizing that was that he was really taking this seriously. You know, at first I was worried about the fact that he was spending absolute hours watching YouTube videos. And I couldn't understand why anybody would want to play, watch somebody else play video games. But then I realized that this was just like watching any other sport. You know, he was completely entertained by watching these guys and also he was learning stuff. You know, he was watching how they did something and then he was testing it out himself later. You know, whether it was Minecraft or it was Fortnite, you know, he was learning stuff. And then, you know, of course, he got into the competitive side and started doing, you know, Fortnite competitively and actually started winning some things and making some money. And that was all really neat. But then I realized that he had created a Twitch channel 
and he had branded himself and he had a brand and you know he was working with different people and it was really fascinating to see that he you know at the age of 13 and 14 had created his own little business here and his own little community and also you know parents worry about you know kids not being socialized when they're gaming and i was actually finding the opposite you know he was connecting more with his online friends than he was with the friends that he went to school with he was opening up to them they were having these late night talks you know and i saw that there was just so much more to this world and i think something that i'm catching early on here is how you're paying attention to this not that you're at your son's side literally 24 7 going so who are you talking to what's going on here but you're in other words you're trying to be at least observant and understanding where does my son like to spend his time and then f figuring out okay so the usual parent concerns now I should clarify for the record that my two children are not quite old enough to do much more than watching me play or trying to play alongside with me. My daughter Ellie is three and a half and my son Ezra is one and a half, but they already know what the GameCube controllers mean. It's time to play on the Nintendo Switch. Well, that's what we that's what we'll play anyway. But you, you're talking about a, a son who's 13 and obviously older now. But at the time, you're realizing it's it's more than just a game. There's networking. There's socializing. It's all happening. I think it's really cool that you're trying to be involved and understand exactly what's happening instead of just taking it at face value and going, son, watching YouTube stuff, not good. <laughs> Exactly. You know, and, and we talk a lot about, you know, the digital divide between the generations. You know, my gen generation is, they're afraid of this online world, you know, and actually I think COVID has changed a little bit of that because we've all been forced to learn how to work in different ways and realize that you can actually get business done and you can actually have social relationships online. But that's new, you know, to my generation and they fear, you know, parents fear, I feared, who was my kid talking to? But, you know, I, you know, I wasn't over his shoulder, but I was paying attention. And what I found is, you know, the kids he was interacting with were great. And I get a lot of questions about, well, weren't you concerned that, you know, he might be interacting with somebody who was older than him? And actually, I was excited about it. Because when I actually started listening to some of the older people he was interacting with who were, you know, in their 20s, I was really impressed because, you know, he was he was learning from them. And some of these guys were becoming mentors to him. And some of these pro players are now like big brothers to him. You know, when they're in town, they come stay at our house. And it's, you know, it's really cool. You know, he's got all these big brothers in gaming who helped him along the way. And now, you know, as he's getting older, you know, he's all of 16, you know, he's starting to do that for younger players coming up in the scene. That's really cool to hear how it's not just about finding people with common interest in a game and then playing that there are real relationships forming. And it's something that I see. So for myself, I'm more involved with the Super Smash Brothers Melee community. And there's a really big generational divide, if you will, because the game was, was released for the Nintendo GameCube in 2001. And people started playing that game maybe when they were 13, but maybe when they were 20. And now since it's almost been 20 years it'll be 20 years officially in november here that means that a 20 year old in 2001 is now a 40 year old and if they still have interest in the game and still play online and then there's younger people who've heard of the game and go wait a minute why do people play a game that's literally older than myself that there is a big generational like span of people who enjoy the game and yet those relationships you know with the proper context and with the right boundaries and all that kind of stuff is a great opportunity for someone who has a little bit more experience either in a gaming sense or in a living sense to say this is where you can go to put yourself on the right path or in the right direction that there can be good mentors to help younger people as they grow up and it's all because of a common interest in a video game it's really cool exactly you know to me you know this is all about communication with your children you know and and really you know knowing what they're doing knowing who they're hanging out with and a lot of the controls for these games that are designed to protect kids you know are saying oh well you can't do this at this age 
Um, but I'm actually one of those parents that's kind of against that. I would rather see, you know, the communication there, you know, you know, understanding what your, your children are doing and who they're talking to. And as far as the games, I mean, clearly, you know, there are games that are just, you know, better for the younger kids. I mean, I was actually one of those parents that would not let my child play Halo until he was older. And then by the time we did actually let him play Halo and some other games, I mean, it was astonishing to us how quickly he got really, really good at a game we have been playing for years. <laughs> some some of us are just like, have that sort of like talent thing, if you will. But you've heard a lot about that, I'm sure, in your time. So please tell me what you think about the talent versus the work ethic to improving yourself in a game. How do you see that? Well, I think just like any sport, you know, there are just natural talents here. You know, some people are just going to excel but it's also all about practice. I mean, you know, my son just now was in my room and I asked him if he had completed his aim training today, you know, and sent him off to do his Kovacs, you know, so we treat it like any other sport where, you know, he knows that he has to keep, you know, building on those skills. You know, he knows that he's got to spend time doing strategy. He's got to spend time doing, you know, just mechanical skills of aim to get better. So I, you know, it just like any sport, it does teach an incredible work ethic. But that actually brings us into something else of, of it's not all about just becoming pro. I mean, a lot of kids here, you know, think that, well, if I don't make it to the top 10 of this or that, you know, then what am I doing here? And, you know, we don't say that for other sports. You know, when we put our kids, you know, on, you know, a baseball field playing Little League, you know, while yes, you know, we probably share their dreams of going to the MLB, if they don't make it, we don't see that time as being a failure because we realize how many other great things they learned about, you know, teamwork and being proud of working hard. You know, there's just so many other things they learned there. And then what, you know, the additional thing that esports brings, and this is where, you know, coalition of parents of esports really comes in, is that there are so many education and career opportunities here now. This is an exploding market and they, they span all different things and you don't have to be really, really good at a video game to get a job here. You know, colleges are recruiting right now for this space and it can, you know, range from anything from journalism to shoutcasting to finance. Um, there are so many different jobs here. And, it, you know, for me, I mean, it's super exciting to think that my kid can have a great career, but doing something he loves. And I think that the analogy to baseball and Little League was great because parents will take their children there and will remember, ah, yes, I remember when I was their age doing my Little League stint and having lots and lots of fun and making great friends. But then it comes to a video game they've never heard of before. Fort what now? What Minecraft? Uh, what's going on here? It's all online. They don't have that experience that they remember. So something that we're going to start to see in the next, you know, little while and something that we've already seen a little bit, thanks to you and other people, is the the new generation of parents who have actually grown up playing video games in some way or other and are going, okay, well, the graphics are a little bit newer, a little bit sleeker than what I remember, but it's more or less the same thing. And then parents that remember, oh yes, online forums, oh, such a joy. And then and then it's leading to the eSport question. It's leading to the making the, perhaps making the video game itself, programming, all kinds of different career paths that you can take where it's not just about being a top 10 player in this game or in that genre, like you said, that there are actually a lot of different ways that you can find a career, but in the context of video games, esports, all of that. And it's really, really cool. So I did want to ask you about how you started to get more involved because you go from a parent who has a kid or children who love video games too. Oh, they're taking this seriously. Oh, they're even watching other videos and and players who are showing this is the this is the next thing for the meta game. This is a great technique for this. When did you start to want to get more involved? Well, actually, it really did happen at one point. Um, my son was one of those that almost qualified for a Fortnite World Cup. Um, but we're playing from Austin, Texas on, you know, 80 ping. Um, so just the fact that he came that close was pretty amazing. And I had told him that if any of his friends made it to Fortnite World Cup, that I would buy us tickets and we would fly to New York and go. 
And actually one of his friends did make it and which is really cool because it's actually one of his mentor um, who we met, you know, at PAX and was a few years older than him. He was a college student. And so we actually traveled along with him and his parents to Fortnite World Cup and were there that week. And I knew nothing. I didn't know who Ninja was. I didn't know who Tifu was. I knew nothing. But I walked in that, you know, hotel, you know, and we started seeing all these, you know, people in the lobby. And I kept asking, okay, who's that? Who's that? Who's the one with blue hair? You know, and, you know, and I'm sitting here starting to get used to this. Well, of course, over the week, I start talking to all these people, you know, and I start talking to people who have pro teams and who are starting other businesses. And I'm totally fascinated because my background is software. And I always felt blessed that I came out of a college at the time that the dot-com, you know, boom was happening. And I became part of a little startup in Austin, Texas that we sold to IBM. And it was like such a crazy, cool, fun time to be in software. I mean, we were having a blast in Austin, Texas. We were building something, you know, that was new that nobody had ever done before. And I was always just felt so lucky that I've been a part of that, you know, and it's something that you hope your kids find. And I sat there in that hotel lobby watching my son, you know, network and talk to people and planning, you know, deals and planning, you know, streams that he's going to do jointly with people and talking about the next event that we were going to at TwitchCon that he was competing in. And I realized my son had already found the next boom. You know, he was four, he turned 14 actually that weekend and he had already found it. And that's when I jumped in. Um, that was in um, July. I, um, we came home, I finally agreed that he could homeschool and I pulled him out of school and we jumped in. And that's actually where the story gets interesting and where COPE is born because, you know, I jumped in full force. I'm like, okay, you want to do this, we're going to do it. You know, let's figure out, you know, how to do online school. Let's figure out, you know, how to focus on your career. I mean, he, you know, he had a Twitch account, but he didn't have a Twitter, you know, he didn't really know. And what I found is that there was nothing here to tell me what to do as a parent. There was nobody, there was no website I searched. There was nobody to advise me how to negotiate a contract. You know, there was nobody to tell me how to manage his time when, you know, his, you know, practice schedule went to 3 a.m. in the morning, you know, and there was just nobody to get advice from. But what started happening is I started going to LAN events with him. He was in Twitch Rivals and then he competed in another event in Toronto a couple of weeks after that. And what I did find was other parents of pro players. Um, the CEO of our organization is, um, is Skeptic's father. And so, and another person that I met later online um, is Krim's dad. Um, and these were, you know, parents that you know, later formed the coalition with us. Um, Mama Benji Fishy is another one who's on our board. And we, you know, for me, they were a great resource because they were helping me figure it out. But then as I got into this, I realized I was getting all the same questions. And I was getting questions from kids saying, how did you, you know, why do you support your kid? How do I get my mom to support me? And then we were getting all those questions from parents about, well, how do I do this? And, you know, so that's what we did, you know, last year during COVID, we were all bored. We were on Twitter one Friday night, um, answering the same question from a kid that needed help. And somebody suggested that maybe we should organize. And I thought about it that night and thought, you know, we really should. There is nothing out here to help parents. And so COPE was born just like that. That, that was it. Um, we incorporated the next week. We decided that we weren't really a business um, because mainly, you know, our goal was changing, you know, the narrative. We just wanted parents to realize that there were opportunities here. And we also just wanted to change it in the press. You know, as parents of pro players, um, almost all of us have had negative stories written about us in some newspaper, you know, about how we're bad parents for letting our kids game. Um, my son recently did a YouTube video with Whistle Sports, which was fantastic. But if you go through and read the YouTube comments, they're absolutely hilarious. You know, so there's just still a lot of negative out there. And we really just wanted to band together and show a different side of that. So we are a nonprofit. 
Um, we are a support organization for parents and gamers. Um, we actually interact more with gamers than with parents. You know, we do everything from helping them talk to their parents to also just being there for them in things that a parent would normally help them with. You know, like if they lose access to their Epic account, you know, because it got hacked, you know, we can help them with those kind of things. It's really cool to hear that it's not just focusing on the parents only. Like you would kind of be led to think that. I'll, I'll admit that I was sort of thinking, okay, so probably most of the resources of the coalition are probably in regards to specifically reaching out to parents and that part of changing the narrative as, as a whole, saying, hey, there are parents out here who actually care for <laughs> care about this kind of stuff, see the value in it. It's also really cool to hear that there's a big focus on being a resource for gamers that are that are that are younger that need help with different things this that and the third and i think even just like like if i had heard about this sort of thing when i was growing up i would immediately immediately run to my mom and i would point to the website and i'll go you see this cope website mom see see i could i could be like a pro gamer or whatever because there are actually people out here who would uh be helpful in some way i don't know about like a totally 100% taking care of all the things that I want to do. But the point is, is that, see, this is a thing. <laughs> it's legit. <laughs> I would definitely have done that. So it's really cool to hear that you saw a need and you and other parents as well and saying, we actually can do something about this. So what was it like at first? You get, you get incorporated, you start up the nonprofit, you put up the website, you got the name and you go, now what? Yeah, that was exactly it, because we did it just kind of building it ourselves. And, you know, it was just a few of us that built the website over a couple of months, got incorporated, applied for 501c3, so we couldn't even take donations because, you know, we were brand new. And we um, launched in mid-October um, with a Twitter announcement. And, of course, since we have a lot of pro gamers who are our children, you know, it was retweeted a lot. And... Um, and it, you know, there was a lot of talk about it, you know, and the thing that we were really concerned about was we didn't want, you know, the kids to see it as just a nanny organization, you know, because this is their world. You know, I describe, you know, the gaming community, you know, the teenage gaming community on Twitter as Lord of the Flies, because it truly is, you know, but there's also, you know, and that can sound bad, but it's also pretty amazing because you can see how entrepreneurial a lot of these kids are and you know what they're creating on their own and you know we wanted them you know we weren't there to be their friend I mean we are parents we are adults we are there to protect them but we're also there to help them and so that was a big focus we didn't want to be overbearing we just wanted to be there as a resource as they needed us so for the most part we just kind of sat back at first and you know made sure that they knew what we were doing um, you know, continued to put out content. And we also started networking because what we wanted to do was we wanted to show gamers what was available to them and their parents. Because one of the other things we were frustrated with is when a gamer saw themselves falling off, you know, and a lot of these games, you know, like, you know, Fortnite or Valorant, you know, the age of the player is really young. I mean, it's often, you know, the top players are teenagers, you know, by your mid twenties, you know, you've passed the prime of being a pro gamer. And a lot of these kids think there's nothing left for me to do, you know, and, and that can be some of the top pros. And we really wanted to show them that that wasn't the end of their career. There are so many other things they could be doing with it, whether they were pro or casual. So um, Chris and I started reaching out. We reached out to organizations trying to find out what was being done in Scholastic Esports. We knew nothing. And what we found was an incredible network of organizations that were creating, you know, Scholastic Esports programs. And this is both using gaming in the classroom, you know, like using Minecraft to teach history, because we all know that you know, anybody learns more when it's interactive than if they're just listening to a talking head in the front of the room. So we also found, you know, organizations that are creating esports programs in middle schools and high schools. Um, we found, you know, that Dell and Lenovo and others are putting machines, you know, in schools, you know, for kids, you know, so they can build these programs. We also found recruiting services, you know, colleges are offering scholarships. There are competitive programs. 
and um, and we are connecting gamers to these programs, you know, so they can get in front of the colleges, you know, that are recruiting and offering these scholarships. So what we've done is created this vast network of partners, and it's also worldwide. Um, we're connected to organizations like British Esports. Um, we just um, signed an agreement with the Esports Federation of Turkey, and we're also working with an international group. I mean, that's just like within such a short time, it seems as if there's a lot of great steps going towards continuing to be an available resource, not just to gamers in North America and the United States, but worldwide. And so does it, does it ever feel overwhelming? I'm sure sometimes it does, like, especially worldwide. I mean, the world is a big place for gamers. I'm just interested to hear what you might be doing on like a day-to-day -day basis as it comes to cope or to describe like how at times if you felt overwhelmed or if it all seems like yeah, kind of easy TBH. <laughs> well, we weren't really trying to create a lot of this. You know, we were just trying to make it, you know, everybody aware of what was available. So really it was just going out there and finding those resources and we're creating a new version of our website right now, which is mainly going to be links to these trusted partners. Very, very cool. And I'll occasionally myself hear about things like I recently heard that Nintendo is going to start to provide resources to schools, I think, in North America. I'm not sure if there are other countries involved or not or besides the United States. But in the United States, I know that they're going to start providing like Nintendo Switch systems for scholastic programs to use as it comes to encouraging, you know, to say, hey, we're willing to help you out with making sure that kids who are interested in playing these specific Nintendo titles that they can have that this school can have a resource to give those kids a chance to be able to do that and and so on it's like it's really really cool to hear about stuff like that because it is a little bit different even than 10 years ago when I was so I'm 25 now so 10 years ago when I was 15 in 2015 wow excuse me in 2011 it just felt like a really it just felt really different at that time even then, but it's advanced so quickly. So even in this short amount of time, it probably feels like as you continue to discover new organizations and and re and to meet organizations again after going, Oh right, that's right, I've heard of you before. Now what are you do what are you all doing again? And I'm sure it's just so many, but with with all of those with all of those resources that you've been able to find and to try to pull all of that together into a website what would you say or what do you imagine cope looking like in another year well i in another year you know i hope we're past covid and we're looking at more LAN events so a big focus for us is we've realized reaching the gamers has not been a problem for us you know our twitter you know has 10,000 you know gamers following us a very small percentage of those are parents. And, you know, the gamers are actively involved with us. You know, it is a, that Twitter um, DMs is a help desk. We also, you know, answer questions on the website. So that part is super active. The online, you know, will continue. But the real challenge for us is actually getting to the parents, you know, because the parents aren't on Twitter. You know, they aren't going to find us. They do not see this on gaming. So we're really wanting to get out to where the parents are, and we know that's in the community. So, one, you know, we're looking at key partnerships with things like, you know, the PTA um, so that we can actually get to parents. Um, we're also looking at big LAN events. Um, we have a goal um, with we're working with PACs. And at future events, you know, like the PAX, you know, East and PAX South, um, we will have the Cope Cabana, um, which will be a place for parents to congregate, learn, and hopefully have a drink. Because one of the things we have learned at LAN events in the past is that, you know, the kids want to be taken to this event, but the parent gets there and they don't know what to do with themselves. You know, the kid does not want to hang out with their parent. They want to run around with their friends. But the parent, of course, doesn't want to leave their minor child in this massive convention center and go across the street to a restaurant. Um, so one of the things that we've proposed to PAX and that we're also proposing for TwitchCon is that we create a place for those parents. You know, let's involve them. You know, let's play, create a place where they can meet others and they can ask questions. You know, so we talk about some of these great partners we found. We want to bring them in, you know, to do sessions and educate the parents as well on what's here. 
and and also just educating the parents on how to cheer for their kids you know you talked earlier about you know little league you know what makes it easy for little league is a parent remembers what it was like for them they know what the rules of the game are so they can sit on the sidelines and they can cheer for their kid but most parents don't even realize they can cheer their kids when they're playing you know a video game they don't know that they can go onto a twitch stream and watch a tournament you know so i think you know that's a key part of this is you know teaching parents in a fun way how to do this we also plan to have machines at those and we're going to have you know some little you know parent kid tournaments um, and also have some sessions where parents can learn how to play some of these games their kids love some side events woo now when you when you're going to be if you're going to be doing that does that mean that you're going to be trying to enter yourself or are you going to try to be in to mode you're going to be trying to organize just, organize the, bracket just and stuff. the bracket and stuff oh i don't know haven't decided on that yet <laughs> but my you know everybody keeps trying to get me to play fortnite since you know fortnite is my son's game so they have actually set me up with a computer i have not played yet um, some of our parents are actually actively playing and streaming. Um, Mama Benji Fishy is actually, you know, in the, I think, top 50 streamers for Fortnite now. Um, you know, Chris, um, our CEO, um, was actually on Gamer Docs, you know, channel this morning playing um, Fortnite. You know, so there are quite a few of our parents who are playing. So do you just say to yourself that, like, you know, it's not Galactica, it's not Doom, it's not even Pong, so do you find yourself wanting to go back to like a, a simpler game, or did you never really like the idea of like third-person shooters, first-person shooters? No, actually, I'm just frustrated that I'm not as quick as them now, because I actually, I love Fortnite. I think as a teenager, I would have absolutely loved that game, but I can't build that fast. Yeah, I've, I've seen from what the limited, the limited amount of Fortnite that I've seen in my life, because it's not the eSport that I prefer to watch, but from what I see, I'm going, there is just so much happening on the screen. This is very impressive for anybody to be able to keep up with any of this. I mean, I think the same thing when I see League of Legends and like uh, other games like that. I just go, there is a lot happening on the screen right now. Whew. And maybe somebody would feel that way if they watched Melee gameplay, but for me, when I'm when I go to other games on spare occasions, I just go, this is a lot. This is very impressive, but boy, this is a lot. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, going to Fortnite World Cup and seeing that huge, massive event in the stadium and watching all of those fans cheering, you know, it was, it was just pretty amazing. And there it was cool because it was a lot of kids with their parents. And you could tell, you know, the parents had just been drug along. Most of them didn't have any idea of what was going on. But they all got into it because you couldn't help but get into it, you know, sitting there in that chair listening to all these screaming fans. So it's not quite possible to always have the the big kind of stadium that has like 2,000 or 10,000 cheering fans and spectators, players all the people involved a lot of the times there's just weeklies or monthlies and maybe there's about 60 people entering or 100 people entering it's not it's not a major or a super major that's what we call big melee events but i'm curious from your perspective aside from really big events do you see the value of cope trying to be involved as it can be as much as it can be depending on the area and all that stuff with something that's a little bit of a smaller scale, a smaller event. Oh, most definitely, because that's where the parents are going to be. They're going to be dropping their kids off at local land centers and local tournaments. We were starting to do some of that, you know, before lockdown with my son. Um, and it was, you know, before we did COPE, um, he was streaming at the local, you know, Austin, Texas, Microsoft store every Friday night. And they were doing a tournament at the same time. And it was a blast, you know, and parents came in and um, and they would, you know, what the kids would talk to my son and um, and a lot of the parents would come up and talk to me. And so that's what gave us the idea that, you know, it's really got to be in the communities. So some of our first partnerships, you know, that we've worked on are, you know, with some of these organizations that are creating some of these land centers that I see rolling out across North America over the next year. Um, the Belong Center is one, um, you know, they're already across the UK, but I see more of them. And the other one that is amazing is Nerd Street Gamers. Um, and then on top of that, there are so many, you know, individual sites that have popped up all across the country. 
Um, one of my favorites is called Exposure um, in Dallas, Texas. It's actually in DeSoto, a little bit south of Dallas. And um, it is run by an amazing organization where they are not only creating this great land center for competition, where they've actually created some, you know, some pro players out of that group, but also they're working with the local ISDs, you know, in the Dallas area. And so they're actually creating, you know, curriculums and classes as part of their program. And that's where the parents are going to get involved is when they come into these small local events, you know, bringing their kid, dropping them off, you know, just like if you were going to a soccer game or a baseball game. So in the future, you know, initially right now, you know, it's just going to be a brochure you know, that they get when they come in and sign their kid up for something, you know, they'll get something that points them to the COPE website, you know, if they would like to become a member and get involved. And our membership is free. I mean, it's not anything we're charging for, you know, we're just trying to get more parents involved. And, um, but in the future, you know, we really hope to create local chapters. You know, our ultimate goal would be to create, you know, something where we can actually provide the materials um, so that they can create their own local COPE chapters to support kids and other parents. That's really, really cool. And it leads me to saying that overall, it's just, like, it's just really cool to hear about how it's it's hard to get to a parent sometimes. And then you say, there are ways to get there, though, and we can try to bridge that gap. Overall, like, I'm just... I, I come away <laughs> I come away from talking to you about this being very impressed and I guess another question that I would have is that you're probably not the only organization you've you've talked to a bunch of them already that are like centered around the idea of how do we bridge that gap for from the the gamer to the parent are there any other organizations that you know of that are more or less trying to do what COPE is doing in a similar way or would you say it's all a little bit different depending on the organization um, as far as we know, we are the first, you know, parent, you know, organization um, for esports. Um, there are, you know, I'm, and we spend a lot of time just trying to educate organizations that they need to reach parents. You know, we say the biggest inhibitor to more kids being involved in gaming are, are the parents. You know, who don't understand. If you get to the parents and you educate them you will have more kids, you know, and getting involved in your tournaments or buying your products. So, you know, that's something we work with the, um, some of the pro teams on, and a lot of them already know it. You know, I, Misfits Gaming, you know, is already there, you know, in creating academy programs for kids, you know, where they, you know, include the parents in a session. Um, Guild Esports is, you know, brand new organization um, founded by David Beckham and others out of the UK. And they have partnered with us um, as the parent resource for their group, and they've created a parent's corner, you know, on their website, you know, for their aspiring, you know, gamers, where they can get information and they can also reach out to us for more information. But as far as, you know, a parent organization, I think we're kind of it. What do you say to yourself or what do you think to yourself if I suggest that uh, more parent like themed or, or focused organizations start to pop up over time because of the growing of esports in general? Um, I definitely think there will be. Um, I think there'll be lots more and I definitely encourage that because then that means we did a good job. Yeah, and and setting a little bit of a of a like a, a trail to follow, blazing that trail. That's really, really cool to hear. I wanted to get back to you and gaming a little bit because I'm really interested to hear like your perspective on and I don't want to <laughs> say start with the first game you've ever played and just go but like what was a what was the game system that you remember coming out either like in the mid thousands or in the 2010s or a new game that dropped where you said to yourself this might be this might be it and then it kind of took off and you said aha I knew it like those kind of moments when you've been seeing gaming from a distance. Well, I mean, you know, I'm dating myself, but I remember getting Pong for Christmas, you know, so, um, you know, as a child, you know, I've, I've been part of all of those, you know, I had all the, you know, I had the Game Boy, you know, I played all of them, um, you know, Doom was a big moment, you know, that um, when that came out, you know, things changed, um, Halo, you know, was a huge moment, my son's favorite game is Destiny. Um, and, you know, and Gary's mod and some of that stuff. So that was when I realized, you know, that things were different. 
But I think one of the one, you know, the two that I think were major game changers for me in this whole space um, were Roblox and Minecraft. And my son actually found those on his own, and he found those actually very early on. And he was only in probably second grade. Um, and he came home from school going, hey, we've got to download this. My friend told me about it, you know, and I you know and I'm sitting here, you know, it, this is very, very early days. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is Legos on the computer. This is incredible. I mean, this is my kid doing something, you know, on a computer that is incredibly constructive. Um, you know, of course, his favorite thing to do in those early days when I wasn't nearly as good at it as him was to dig a hole throw me in it and then blow me up with dynamite. But, you know, <laughs> um, you'll experience this soon. Um, but, you know, I still see my son go back to Minecraft. You know, he still, you know, plays it. He still builds with it. And it's something we did as a family. You know, my husband had, you know, last year at the beginning of COVID, I mean, he spent absolute hours building this elaborate, you know, world in Minecraft because, you know, he had nothing else to do. You know, so I see, um, so that to me was a game changer though. And Roblox at the time, I didn't really think that much about because, you know, it to me was just kind of the, I don't know, the, the fun, you know, little cousin or something of Minecraft. But it has surprised me because it has become such an incredible educational tool. And I think that, you know, those tools, and they're also affecting, you know, how we work. It's not just our kids. Um, I'm involved in a conference this week with SHI. Our COPE organization has a booth. Um, and they're using, this is an all virtual conference, and they're using a technology um, that looks like Minecraft, where they have built a conference center, and COPE actually has a booth. And we have two people whose avatars are working the booth. And all of our, you know, digital assets are up on the booth. So when you walk in, it looks like you would just be, you know, at the the event and people can walk into you know our area and talk to us about cope and then they can walk over intel's next door to us and they can walk over and talk to intel and you know that to me is totally fascinating because that is adults following the kids i mean that is us using minecraft that's really really cool what would you say Okay, your favorite game of all time may not be a fair a question to answer, but what is one of your favorite games of all time? My favorite game of all time is Galaga. Um, it was the game that I played, you know, um, and would spend hours on the machine, but that was, of course, when we would go to the arcade and play it on the arcade. And every time I walk into a pizza shop or anything that has an old Galaga machine, you know, I, you can expect me to be on it for at least an hour. So at this point, the Williams family knows not to go to this pizza place, not to go to that that restaurant. Like, we can't go there. Mom's going to be on the Galaga machine for a long time. And we're going to be there for like two hours, three hours waiting for her to be done. Yeah. You know, but as far as, you know, new games that are out right now, I mean, I, I like a lot of them for different reasons. I think Rocket League is a blast to watch. Um, you know, and there's just, you know, all of them have different points. And do you see... the Okay, here's another question that I would have as it relates to you and your son specifically, where you said, we're going to start to homeschool now. We're going to figure out how to do schooling online. We're going to try to make this more accessible to you, to Fortnite, to be able to train, to be able to expand on your career and your brand. But the other side of that coin is also like kind of like how they talk about for you know kids who are growing up and wanting to be basketball players and their parents like have them have like an athletic trainer and like a like a chef out at the age of 12 and trying to push too hard in that direction right so i i think about about you and how you you've known about gaming for a long time and you know that at a certain point it might start to feel a little bit like a chore or a job if it's not fun enough so like how do you kind of toe that line between you and your son about like the all the training regiments but also remembering it's a game the point is to have fun too yeah that's actually a huge problem for a lot of the pro gamers and that wasn't that that's probably a big reason why we actually you know created cope but more of a behind the scenes reason because a lot of the parents of some of these biggest pro gamers are struggling with that. You know, they've got a son who has, 
you know, thousands of followers, if not millions of followers, who is incredibly successful, but they're 15 years old and they have a full-time job that can be 12 hours a day. And you also, you know, the reality is right now is the communities can be toxic. And, you know, that's another reason for COPE being here is we think that, you know, with more structure, you know, and more adults in the room, you know, we can cut down on some of that toxicity um, because it's hard on the kids. And you just looking at the hours, I mean, for any, for someone who's never streamed before, it's incredibly hard. Um, when I try to explain it to my friends and family, you know, when I watch my son stream, you know, it just, oh, he's playing video games and people are watching him. He's running a late night talk show, you know, for three to six hours, entertaining an audience, playing an incredibly difficult video game, babysitting, you know, because a lot of the kids that are watching him are between the ages of nine and 16. So they get into little bickering matches and he has to calm everything down. Um, you know, but I've also watched that build his leadership skills, you know, but it, he's on, you know, he is totally on for those five hours. I mean, that is a really, really hard job. Um, and so, yes, he does have burnout, you know, all of our kids do. And that's the other thing as a parent of, of really, you know, being aware of that. And we definitely have changed things. You know, there are some things that I realized, you know, that were causing too much anxiety. And, you know, we've also, you know, talked to professionals. Um, the great thing through COPE is we've met some incredible, you know, doctors who are focused on this space. And my son's actually working with a performance coach. Um, and he meets, she's actually out of Florida. Um, she normally works with volleyball players and basketball players um, to help them overcome stress and, you know, manage their time effectively. And it's been incredible for him, you know, not just for gaming and managing, you know, his stress in tournaments, but also managing his time. Because as somebody who's completely homeschooled and running his own program online, you know, he has to stay on top of his schedule. And that was a challenge for a while. And she's helped him, you know, create a schedule you know, and stick to it and, and manage that time. But, you know, it's something that he's had to learn as well. You know, there are certain times, you know, that he steps back from some things because he just realized, you know, it's gotten to be too much. Um, and, and that's something I, I worry about for all these kids. And, you know, as parents get involved, you're always going to have parents, you know, that push a little bit too hard. And we definitely see some of that as well. Right, because the vast majority of the cases around gamers might be parents being totally disconnected and not understanding but then probably a lot smaller of a scale of parents who are like yeah all in like really go really go you have only played this game for 10 hours today what's going on you got to play for at least 14 i'm sure that that hardly happens compared to the parents who are just totally disconnected and those are those are obviously a, a focus of cope as well but i'm thinking about i'm thinking about my own children as they continue to grow older and how with being on the internet in some capacity, even if you're not streaming, and a lot of people, a lot of younger people do tend to try streaming at least at one time or another. I remember going live for maybe exactly five minutes before realizing that I was doing it wrong and then saying, okay, you know what? I didn't really even want to do this anyway. I just felt like trying it because I saw other, my friends doing it and blah, blah, blah. So that was my story with streaming. But I think about how you're on and then you have to, run a stream and a chat and even even with having moderators help you you still see stuff come through and negativity and that just builds and you're at an age where negative things will knock you down a little bit easier or at least that's how it was for me when i was in my teens i, I would definitely be concerned about what other people thought about me and i still am i just remember it being very intense when i was like you know 15 16 and on and on and on and i think about how that there might be that question of is the whole childhood thing that people remember from way back when is that completely gone as soon as you step foot digitally into the internet and the digital world because of how much more on you have to be all the time you know how it is people don't say be right back anymore because you take your phone with you everywhere to each room and so on and so on i'm just interested in your thoughts about that if you want to expound on it a little bit more yeah, I mean, I see my son as still, you know, just a very typical, you know, teen. You know, he just has a lot of his friends online. You know, he definitely, he has friends who are here. You know, some of them are gamers and some of them, you know, aren't. 
Um, but it, it's just a different forum. And, you know, he is having to deal with some of those challenges. You know, you definitely get more criticism directly to you online. You know, most sports stars don't have to deal with that, you know, while they're actually playing the tournament. You know, but if you're, you know, live streaming your tournament play, you know, then people are telling you exactly, you know, what they think of your play right there. Um, you know, some of our kids, you know, are, are COD pros, you know, Call of Duty. And, you know, those, you know, their fans are incredibly passionate about them. And, you know, and they say exactly what they think. And those, you know, kids are seeing that, you know, and they're older, you know, they're in their 20s. But, you know, you know, that's also got to affect them. Um, so, you know, there, I don't think there's really a loss of childhood with that. I think it's, you know, I would seen my high, my other daughter, you know, who is a very typical high school student. Um, she deals with a lot of the same stuff in school right now. And she also deals, you know, they see a lot of the same stuff, you know, with online, you know, cause they're all on TikTok and Instagram. So I really see all of this as yes, it's a challenge but it's the future. You know, our kids are going to live in a digital world. So the sooner they know how to navigate it, um, the better, you know, and, and dealing, you know, facing some of that criticism and knowing how to tune it out. And for yourself throughout this process of getting more involved, has there been a time where you've said to yourself after hearing about a particularly negative circumstance or experiencing one yourself where you said, just really want to shut everything off and just like <laughs> go to uh, the middle of a forest somewhere where there's no, there's no internet, there's no data, there's no nothing. Do you ever catch yourself getting to that point or is it always just like reset and recalibrate and uh, then just keep it moving? Well, I think for me, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a reset person, you know, every obstacle, you know, okay, let's just push through this. And I've been lucky with my son because, you know, he has, he ran a PG, chat until he was um, 15 and then he changed to PG 13. No, I guess actually at 16, you know, so he, his community's always been really sweet and he actually doesn't deal with a lot of toxicity, but we have other kids in our team that I've become very close to who deal with a lot of it. And, you know, they have had, you know, they've been at a much higher level than my son and they deal with a lot of negative and for a few of them, yeah, I just want to pull them out and turn it off and say, you don't need to be here. But, you know, that's not the right, that's not right either. I don't want the toxic kids to win. You know, I want that to stop. And the best way for that to stop is to fight back with, you know, by being positive. That's really cool to hear that there's, there's an acknowledgement of there being bad toxicity kind of stuff within these esports communities to of course it depends on the game it depends on the player but it's cool to hear how you have the mindset of okay we can we can fight back against this in a way where it's not just like you know like a f fighting fire with fire but also just saying like we can do this we can try we can be positive and come out on top in the end do you think that just has to do with like why it's 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 hard to describe it as walking on a higher plane or something like that but it's it's it is challenging not to immediately fire back with something and getting into a shouting match like how do you how do you stop yourself from doing that because every now and again I saw you retweet someone's thread responding to an article written maybe about a month ago where the headline was something about like kids playing video games or doing slave labor and not getting paid to do it or something like that. Well, like yeah. an outrageous, <laughs> it was an outrageous headline. And like, how do you not immediately like wanting to grab your phone and just like throw it across the room and be like, these people never stop. Like, how do you, how do you, respond in a way that you feel is appropriate and is positive instead of going right to the oh yeah kind of an attitude well I, that's one standard i actually hold all of our parents who are part of cope i mean we're all volunteers we're all volunteering our time but one of the standards i hold all the parents to is that we have to be positive role models you know that's the whole point here and the reason you know that it's gotten this way is because you know it has mainly been you know younger kids you know who you know, respond that way. And, uh, you know, and it, it's gotten very toxic. And so it was very important for me that our parents never attack a child, especially. So, you know, never attacking another player. And we have seen that. 
Um, there are definitely parents out there who, you know, can get very toxic, you know, towards children. Um, but also not, you know, with, I, you know, I've done it differently. You know, there was a New York Times article that came out, you know, a few months ago. And, you know, I did write a blasting response to it, you know, about how it was wrong, but I did it in a positive way. It got retweeted a lot, um, and the New York Times reporter followed me back. You know, so he hasn't written an article about us yet, but I know that he's seen my tweets, you know, so just as long as he's seen, you know, the positive side of the gaming, maybe, you know, we've at least changed his opinion and maybe he will, you know, write that in the future. And the other thing is I don't feel, you know, any of these kids are bad kids. You know, a lot of it has to do with how they're raised. I mean, this is an international community. Um, so I actually fight for the kids who get banned for being toxic as well a lot of times, and I do get occasional criticism for that. But you have to look at how some of these kids have been raised. Um, you know, I'll, a recent example is a kid who got banned from a tournament, you know, for saying something, you know, to another kid that he shouldn't have said. You know, he realized that. But you also have to realize that this kid lives, you know, in the slums in Russia. His m family has no money. Um, this is how they talk to each other there. You know, it, he has to fend for himself and his entire family, you know, the money he could make winning this tournament is more than his entire family could make in their lifetime. You know, so I think you really have to give a lot of these kids a break about where they're coming from, you know, and what they're being taught here. And I think it's really important for those of us that are out here in this community to be showing them a positive side. And so that's what COPE has been trying to show them is there's a better way to do this. You know, there's a better way, you know, to get attention. You know, you can be positive um, and still be on top. You don't have to attack others. And, you know, and the kids learn it the hard way. They lose, you know, their Twitch channel, you know, if they're too toxic. You know, they can get cut off from some of the gaming platforms. And so we're really trying to teach them that you are role models. You know, people are watching you. Um, and you need to be positive. And bridging that gap between the idea, that elusive idea of, oh, when I'm on the internet, nobody can see me. Nobody knows who I really am. But eventually that line can, can eventually cross and the gap gets bridged and all of a sudden people know yes i know you i know your real name and you said so and so on to this person on their stream and that was obviously really insulting and blah 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 and in other words the consequences follow the actions even in an online space the last question that i have for you since we're getting close to an hour here and want to be respectful of your time is and we've already talked about the return of IRL, the return of LAN events and, and competing in person, esports in person, which is very exciting. I'm interested to hear what you're excited about and to also tell the people where they can find you, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited to get back to LAN events. Um, I'm really excited to see people. I think things have changed so much during COVID. Um, you know, for the whole esports world. And I think it's going to change a lot when we are back because I think there will be more land centers, you know, for people to get together and have tournaments. I think there will be more schools, you know, that have esports programs in the classroom. So I think it's really going to change it and make it more accessible. Um, and, you know, for me personally, I have worked with so many, you know, fascinating people across the world and talked to so many people. I can't wait to meet some of them. You know, it's going to be so crazy at events now, you know, meeting some of these people that we've been talking to, you know, over Twitter and Zoom, you know, for over a year now. And I just think that's going to be great. Um, the easiest way to find me is actually Twitter. I actually didn't even have a Twitter account until I joined the gaming world, you know, a couple of years ago, and I never, I tried never to have one. Um, I had even shut down my LinkedIn account, you know, after I left IBM, um, so I didn't even have that. And of course, now I've jumped back into it. So you can find me on LinkedIn at Shay Williams. You can find me by my gamer tag um, on Twitter at Shaymon, um, S-H-A-E-M-M-O-N, and you can find Cope um, at cope.gg. Yes, yes, the website, and it's also cope.gg, at cope.gg on Twitter as well, right? Exactly. We're also on Facebook and um, Twitch. Um, yeah, pretty much all platforms, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, we're on everything. TikTok, some, TikTok someday? <laughs> we actually are on TikTok. Um, we did have a meeting with TikTok um, not, too, not too long ago, 
um, we are talking about making some funny videos for TikTok, you know, of, you know, do you experience this, you know, where you have a parent, you know, screaming over your shoulder to get off the computer and, you know, would you like to change it, you know, to a more positive view? So we do have some ideas for some funny TikTok videos. I'm already like half smiling and laughing because I could, yes, I, I would love to see those kind of TikToks. That'd be great. So one more time, Shaman, a.k.a. Shay Williams, thank you so much for joining me on Bottom of the Smash Mountain. Thank you for having me. This was fun. As a quick note to all of the listeners, just one more time, if you go to cope.gg slash donate, cope is a 501c3 not-for-profit public charity, so you can make your donations there to support the cause, to support the gamers, as well as their parents. Thank you so much. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. Thank you once again to Shaman to, for excuse me, joining me for this really cool interview. And I tried to sneak in as many Melee references as possible, but I don't think that Shay is super familiar with those. For So so for all of you Melee people, I tried. And for the rest of you who are still here, well, first of all, why are you still here? It's just me now. You only came for Shay, then you probably want to get going and dip. But if you're still here, <laughs> I am a big Melee person, so that's why I tried to bring it up every now and again. But hey, look, if it's really cool to hear that Shay and her son in particular, who is the big esports person, they are getting into stuff like Fortnite and Minecraft. Obviously, those are really big titles, so no no judges or, or anything like that. But how cool would it be? What a, what a crossover that would be if Duster were to get into Melee, or maybe Smash Ultimate would probably be the most likely thing. But I'm sure something that... <laughs> I mean, Shay herself brought this up, the whole 80 ping conversation as it came to Duster trying to get into the Fortnite Cup. Playing with a higher ping means that the connection's worse. Well, what if I told you that Nintendo decided for some reason to have their Wi-Fi network and and gaming online servers and all that kind of stuff be terribly outdated? What if I told you that? And what if I told you that that it's basically like the worst, some of the worst netcode you'll ever come across in your life and it's not really playable and it's a joke if you want to make a competition out of it. At least that's my opinion. I mean that in the nicest possible way. We just had on Apostle recently, so I feel bad. Oh, and I've had on CACT, who also does a lot of online events. Maybe not so much as COVID starts to fade a little bit from the public eye and the IRL stuff starts to really take a hold moving forward here. The point is is that maybe CACT isn't running as many online events anymore and is now focusing on IRL. But I'm not trying to be super insulting when I say that it's a joke for people to make competition out of online ultimate. But at the same time, I just don't understand how something that has a high amount of buffer and lag already when it's offline how can you just expect to take that seriously when you add so much more delay and lag onto it when it's in on online and even if the connection's solid and even if both players are using a lan adapter just imagine people not using a lan adapter i'm looking at all of you <laughs> Smash GG people that CACT takes screenshots of and posts on the Twitter. <laughs> Some of my favorite Twitter content is when CACT posts Smash GG chats where someone's like, oh yeah, I got a, I got a LAN adapter. And CACT is like, well, I can't see that. You covered the part of the screen where it would show whether or not you're on the Wi-Fi or on a LAN adapter. You covered it deliberately, it looks like. No, trust me, bro. Ah. <laughs> uh. So maybe Duster doesn't want to come to doesn't want to come to Ultimate or Melee because Melee's too old. But maybe. In my mind it's a maybe <laughs> because I'm gonna see if I, how many people I can convince. And unless they flat out tell me no, it's still a maybe, right? <laughs> Once again, thank you to Shay for coming on and thank you all for listening. So this is the last episode of my quote unquote podcasting vacation, because like I told y'all earlier on other episodes leading up to this one, that I have my first ever IRL tournament 
on June 26, which is coming up here Saturday. Everyone's vaccinated and good to go. So super excited for that. And I can't wait to tell you all about it when it's done. So when I come back after June 26 with more interviews and more of me (laughs) that I will be also excited to tell you how the tournament went, tell you how I did. Uh, Spoiler alert, it's not going to be super great for me. And I will tell you all the other exciting things that I have planned and plans and planning for that event. (laughs) But I will leave you with that. So thank you for joining me, and we'll catch you next time. One last thing. Please enjoy this ad for Dark Gen X for Summit 11 by Bender. Why should you choose Dark Gen X to nominate for Summit? Where should I begin? His style of Fox is hyper-aggressive and very technical, leading to extremely entertaining and high-level melee. His secondaries are also really fun to watch, with his Ice Climbers taking sets off of very good players like Kemen Crudo, and his Samus having three of the top ten spots on GR Smash's list of top Samus combos, as well as having the spot for the best combo for every character for Samus. Gameplay aside, Justin puts in an insane amount of work, constantly helping the community behind the scenes, whether it's seeding a ridiculous amount of events both online and offline, or running some of the most highly regarded offline events, Justin gives us so much of the melee we love. He's also really funny. His Twitter content shows this publicly, but it shows in conversation too. Dark Gen X will make Summit 11 a better and more entertaining event just by being there, through his content, personality, and most of all, his gameplay.